Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, or wherever you are, whatever the hell it is. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. With me, all the way from the UK, is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Potman. Good evening. Welcome to the UK, where we're blowing things up night. What do you mean? Uh, well, here in the UK, we have a celebration every November the 5th, uh, which recognizes the dastardly deeds of the gunpowder plotters uh, who tried to blow up Parliament. And one Guy Fawkes, probably the only honest man ever to have entered Parliament, or the only man ever to have entered Parliament with honest intentions. To blow the bloody place up. So is it, a, is it a celebration of of the act, a celebration of him, a celebration of what? Uh, it's actually a celebration of him getting caught and the, the gunpowder uh, plotters, the treasoners, uh, getting caught. Oh, okay. So why don't you give us so, a quick, quick synopsis of what occurred and then we'll... We can go in a little bit more and figure out what what the heck is really happening. Okay, well, but after um, after uh, King James had um, regained the throne, after we'd been through um, um, some problems, mm-hmm. uh, which resulted in us decapitating a few, um, there was a conspiracy which took place in 1604 involving a group of, because uh, obviously King James I was a uh, Protestant king, and a group of Catholics led by Robert Catesby planned to assassinate him by blowing him up. And, oh, uh, that's placing, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he got together a bunch of Catholic uh, plotters, mostly from the sort of uh, middle-landed gentry, and they planned to. In fact, they did. They they took rent of a um, part of the cellars beneath the Houses of Parliament. And uh, over the course of several months, they they packed it full of gunpowder because you could actually rent storage space beneath the Houses of Parliament in the cellars. Yeah, not anymore. And, I betcha. <laughs> no, not anymore. Um, so so uh, they rented this property and uh, they packed it full of gunpowder. And left um, Guy Fawkes, Guido Fawkes, who was um, a uh, soldier, uh, but he was also a Catholic, and he fought in the uh, he fought uh, on the continent for Catholic Spain against the uh, Dutch Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on the evening of the twenty second of October, sixteen oh four. A letter was received by one of the MPs, Lord Monteagle, and it was anonymously unsigned, warning him to stay away uh, from Parliament at the state opening of Parliament, which was uh, due a few days later. Uh, Monteagle 
grasped grasped on the letter, and um, a series of searches were carried out um, after the letter had been shown to King James. And uh, the cellars beneath the beneath the houses of Parliament were searched. And uh, in the very early in the early hours of November the fifth, uh, whilst Guy Fawkes was waiting, uh, he'd taken his position up in the cellars, uh, armed with a slow match, in order to light this huge mountain of gunpowder that they'd put in there, um, awaiting the king's arrival the next day for the state opening of Parliament, or the, in the morning for the state opening of Parliament. Unfortunately. He was found um, waiting there to light the fuse with all of the gunpowder stashed and hidden beneath piles of firewood and uh, coal. Uh, Fawkes was arrested, obviously, because he was there holding the match. And uh, uh, he was tortured. um, And he gave up the names of several other of the conspirators eventually. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other conspirators took flight and they all basically ran away, realizing that the plot had been foiled. And over the next uh, several days, they were eventually rounded up, which resulted in a gun battle being fought at one of the homes. I can't remember the exact one now. Uh, One of the conspirators. And to this day, uh, Fawkes and the rest of the plotters were all obviously executed. And we celebrate uh, that fact on the on November the fifth every year by burning by uh, we build bonfires and on top of the bonfire we burn effigies of Guy Fawkes. <laughs> um, really? Normal, yeah, we burn an effigy of Guy do, Fawkes. Do, is there like me. is there like a a uh, you know? Walmart or Walgreens uh, sell these things? Oh, no, 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 no. It's always true. The, the tradition is the kids make their own. Um, children make their own or villages, towns, communities oh, okay. make their own guy. And, of course, in, in recent years, that, that has spread. Um, we now have um, guys that represent politicians. Um, quite recently, an American president has been burned on several occasions. Obama? Uh, uh, no, the other one. Clinton? Oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> no, the present one. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it's taken taken as, as uh, a bit of fun. And, in fact, some people actually, uh, several politicians actually vie to be uh, the guy. But, um, you know, down the years, many of uh, Margaret Thatcher, many of our prime ministers have, have been... Um, uh, honoured in such a fashion. Uh, US president was quite popular uh, a year or so ago. I don't know what the situation is now. But kids used to... And what, what, you would, what we would do as children is we would make a guy and you would get some old clothes and you would stuff it full of old pillowcases, um, sometimes stuffed with straw or whatever, whatever would burn. Mm-hmm. And then you would, you would tote this round from... You would wheel this from house to house around the neighbourhood. And you would ask uh, for a penny for the guy. And well-meaning passers-by would give you um, money, depending on the quality of your guy, of course. Oh, really? Uh, and then at the end of the night, they will give you money or sweets uh, for the guy. Your I like it is. 
Then at the end of the night, the guy would be ceremoniously hoisted above the uh, bonfire that was built. Some of them are really quite tall. Um, our local village has got one that's about uh, 25, 30 feet high. And uh, the guy would be burned. The fire would be lit and Guy Fawkes would be ceremoniously burned uh, to accompanying cacophony of fireworks. Huh. So, um, and that's what we do every fifth of November. You're giving me ideas for Spirit Quest next year. <laughs> well, that's what we do every fifth of November. Well, you can wait till uh, 2021. Uh, but that's what we do every fifth of definitely burn somebody out here. Yeah, we've got a place. We, a couple of years ago, we, yeah. we did a witch thing. So maybe, uh-huh. hey, that's not a bad idea. It's, it, it's a British tradition that goes all the way back to the following year, 1605. Uh, so it's a very deep set tradition in Britain, November the fifth. Uh, the the issue now is, is in recent years it has become because as children what we would do is we would wait excitedly for dad to come home with a box of fireworks that he bought from from uh, well every shop sells them, uh-huh. and then we would have garden fireworks and um, uh, perhaps. A community bonfire, or perhaps even one where you burnt, you know, you built your own in the garden if you had enough space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would all wait excitedly for Dad to come home and to have the fireworks in the garden. And that was always accompanied by hot dogs or. Um, Mushy peas? Amen. Uh, anything like that. There was a number. Hot dogs, hot dogs and burgers are quite traditional. Uh, potatoes cooked in the in wrapped in uh, tin foil and then cooked in the embers of the bonfire is another traditional one. Mm-hmm. Um, cinder toffee. So all of those would be consumed, and we would watch fireworks. And it was part of growing up. But in recent years, all of the the liberals have got hold of it. Now we've got. Uh, in fact, I was watching on the news before. We've got people whinging and whining about their pets being um, upset scared. by the noise. Yeah, being scared. And people with um, PTSD and people with horses and people with... Uh, yeah. And so now it's it's become uh, kind of politically incorrect to have your own fireworks and we are encouraged by the powers that be either not to have them at all or if you are going to have them go to a community uh, event. Ah, so there you go. That's where the family are tonight. And oh, I'm with the, without you? I know, I had to miss it. I had a radio show to do. You should have bowed out. I try not to. Yeah. But we could have done it live from the firework display, which started 11 minutes ago. Oh, um, that would have been cool. Uh, well, it would have been noisy. <laughs> you wouldn't have heard much. Um, but... It, it'll go on from uh, the first fireworks started around six o'clock, so a couple of hours ago, and intermittently, as different sort of house parties go off and the community ones go off. Uh, you, so, as I said earlier, you might hear some bangs and crashes during the show. Um, it'll go on till quite late. Normally, it's normally over by about 11, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, our big 4th fourth, uh, fourth of July is our big uh, firework display today. Yeah. Here in the states, um, very very similar. Do you, very similar. Uh, is, is fireworks primarily just for this day, or uh, do you have other holidays that they're used in as well? As, as the a only feature. Other, well, as traditionally, a feature. as a feature, traditionally only the fifth of November was considered to be bonfire night or fireworks night or Guy Fawkes night, mm-hmm. different names. Um, but in the last twenty years. Um, 
the new year has become a very popular time for fireworks. Uh-huh. And so that's that's in fact in in some in some cases that's now become more popular. So yeah, you're likely to and and at the moment we've got a midweek fire um, when November the fifth falls midweek like it's doing uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. You can often have um, so it'll be last weekend and next weekend. And, of course, the British weather can play its part as well. So there will be bonfire parties tonight. There were some last weekend just gone, and there are several more uh, the weekend coming up. So so what occurs during these uh, community ones? You, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the, you know, the backyard ones, but what, what occurs? I mean, is there entertainment other than the fireworks and the bonfire? Or do, oh, do yeah, they, yeah. Are there songs affiliated to it or...? Um, there is one. There is one song, um, or it's a rhyme that goes, "Remember, remember the fifth of November, gunpowder, right, right. treason, and plot." Mm-hmm. Um, but what generally happens is, and where the boys are tonight. So their event started at six o'clock, and uh, that would start. There was there's fairgrounds, there's uh, entertainment, music entertainment, usually from a local pop band or two. Um, I say there'll be fairground rides. There'll be hot food. Uh, candies and people will just party until 8 o'clock when the fireworks themselves start um, normally they light the fire about a half hour before and they so the guys well lit or the bonfires well lit and guys normally burning by the time they light the fireworks ah makes sense uh, now is, so, is there alcohol at these events uh, at all um, or is it primarily a family thing uh, it's very much a family thing. Very, very much. Um, I mean, th- there are later ones that uh, were, al- you know, the private ones there will be alcohol, and there are many down at Milford Marina where the uh, the big event is, uh, where the boys are tonight. Um, there will, you know, there's obviously uh, pubs and restaurants that are serving alcohol. Uh, you can get hot punch. Uh, which is fruit-based or alcohol-based, depending upon your preferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is very much a family event, very much. In fact, it's very much for the children. Um, you know, there isn't no self-respecting. Any any child over the age of about one will be down there, I guess. Um, except for the liberals, of course, who are all staying in looking after their precious dogs and cats. Right, goldfish. Goldfish, and, yeah. but you we're, know what? Whoever creature is traumatized. I mean, yeah, I, these people are. They, 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 I mean, we were on the BBC News before going, oh, my little Fido. Well, hang on a minute. Bonfire Night, the 5th of November, has been celebrated since 1606. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've been doing this year in, year out, and generations of Fidos and Fluffy the Cats have just got on with it. You know, so we were always told them, make sure your pets are indoors um, because they don't like the loud bangs. And we just got on with it. You know, but now apparently that's all, you know, we've got the people because, you know, oh, their horses get upset. Oh, precious hamster gets upset. (sighs) You know, it's like they've got no sense of history, these people. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, as I said, it's a celebration of the... The, what we say is the only person ever to enter Parliament with honest intentions. Right. So, yeah, they're all doing that. But uh, in actual fact, if we just move back a little bit, back to 1604, 
um, there's and people can Google this if they particularly if they search for Guy Fawkes G U Y F A W K E S um, and have a look at some of the documents because he he was tortured uh, on the instructions of King James personally. Uh, and he was instructed to be tortured using the rack. In fact, That's James, gonna hurt. Yeah, in fact, James said the gentler tortures are to be first used unto him and then proceed by degrees to the worst. So he was transferred to the Tower of London and King James composed a list of questions to be put to Forks. He was using the pseudonym of John Johnson at the time. Um, now... Fawkes eventually signed his confession. And there's a, there's a comparative signature, which you can find easily online, of Fawkes' signature um, before torture and the signature after torture, which was just, it's, I mean, it's barely legible. It's just a scroll because they've absolutely, you know, they'd physically broken it with the rack. Um over a over a period of many days, um, he he started the torture started uh, almost immediately the following day, and um, eventually he confessed on the ninth of November. So oh, he, that's a long run. He had yeah he had um, so then he was thrown into prison while they continued to um, investigate the plot because there was obviously a lot more people involved than this. I mean, Fawkes was only the guy holding the matches. Um, and he was um, the main conspirators, those that hadn't died in the shootout uh, that took place a month, uh, well, some weeks afterwards, um, were tried and found guilty. Mm-hmm. And they were pronounced guilty of high treason. Now, you're in the, you're, you're really in the crap if you get found guilty of high, high treason. This isn't going to end well. And they were condemned to be drawn backwards to their death by horse, put to, put to death halfway between heaven and earth. So that actually doesn't mean, so they're going to be uh, half hung until they're nearly dead. Until they're nearly dead. Till they're, so they're dragged backwards by the horse, um, bouncing the head across, bouncing the person's head along the ground. Mm-hmm. On a, then they're hung until they're near, not quite dead. Then they're cut down. Their genitals would be were to be cut off and burned before their eyes. Oh, that's not nice. I guess better. <laughs> then the their stomachs slit and their bowels removed and held up in front of their eyes. Then their heart cut out. They're still alive when this is going on? Uh, up until the heart, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, um, lovely. Uh, some, finished, some finished. Then they would be decapitated and the dismembered parts of their body displayed that, so that they might become prey for the fowls of the earth. Mm. So they were Sounds like a fun time, yeah. Well, you know, if you if you piss off the king. <laughs> you know, and that's what they call the civilized world back in those days. Interesting. You know, um, they were all, each of the fellow plotters, each of the main plotters were hanged 
drawn and quartered. Uh, although it's drawn, hanged and quartered, but we say it a different way. Now, Fox was actually the, the last one up, and he asked for forgiveness of the king and the state. He uh, said, sure, he, they will try and harm you. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then crossed himself and said, said his prayers. Um, he climbed the ladder, um, but he was, he was, um, he either jumped or they'd reset or they'd set the rope incorrectly. Um, so he was fortunate in that he broke his neck oh, and, uh, and then obviously wasn't alive for the rest of the proceedings. But Lucky then the, the, his body along with the other conspirators was quartered and sent to the four corners of the kingdom. Uh, where they were displayed on spikes over city gates as a warning to other would-be Lovely, lovely, lovely. There you go. Yes, we had a strange event that occurred last night, uh, right in the middle of Monday night football, which is a big deal. It's the only game on a Monday night in national audience. A black cat appeared on the field. Ooh. And nobody would go near it. So the whole game was stopped. Both teams were stopped. <laughs> Nobody would touch it. And they're trying to get this play. It was pretty good. They put uh, they had the the announcer uh, on there, and he was uh, going through the whole thing, which was pretty funny. And then they, they tried to corner it, and it uh, wouldn't do it. Finally, it made its way towards the exit, and one of the female security guards pointed the way for the cat to follow because I'm sure the cat could understand what she was attempting to do. And the cat left. So strange events happening. I actually posted that video on the international page, just in case anybody does want to watch the black cats, which is so much. Anyway. So, actually, I just want to correct myself as well, because while, while you were talking, I was just checking the dates, and actually... We didn't start uh, commemorating the gunpowder plot until the 16, early 1650s. Um, so it's not quite as old. It's only 45 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we've only been doing it for 400 and something years. Mm. Very traditional British thing. Yeah. So I imagine there must be a ghost hunting event during Guy Fox Day. Oh, God, there's a very famous one. Um, our friend Derek Acora. Oh, I know Derek, yeah. Yeah, you know Derek. He signed shirts for you. Derek, Derek did a... Derek did a I mean, there used to be a Most Haunted Live that was often around November the 5th as well, but um, Derek did a, a famous three-night live, I think it was, which was a search for Guy Fawkes. Oh, wow. Um, Is that available on the internet? Do you know, Steve? I I would imagine it would almost certainly be available on the internet. In fact, uh, whilst we're talking, let's see if we can find uh, Derek. And he went to all of the uh, places um, where Guy, where, you know, where the conspirators and Forks and the others went to. Uh, yeah, Derek Acora's quest for Guy Forks. Um, let's see what we can find out about it. Um, is there a link? Uh, there's lots of links. Just type a in video, Derek Accor. Video, video link that we can put on the I'm page. just trying to find one now. But um, um, first of all, Derek Accor used to. But um, so Derek goes off, um, and he, this is in 2005, so it would have been the 400th anniversary. Um, and he visited the haunts of the conspiracy, <coughs> including the Doc and Drake pub in London um, where um, 
they, the conspirators met. The old palace yard where Fawkes was hung, drawn in quarters. And apparently he was blown away, Evie, when Guy Fawkes came through to him. Uh, it said to the, the producers that there was virtually no chance of getting a spiritual link with Guy Fawkes. But our trek ended up in a place uh, where he was born um, in York, and he was there with his mother. Um, the programme was screened on Living TV on Saturday, November the 5th, um, part of a series of quests to see the celebrity medium in search of famous figures of history. Guy Fawkes is a great one to do because it's the 400th anniversary of the gunpowder plot on Saturday, and I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. And uh, let me just check. Um, uh, they're almost certainly, it's almost on, definitely on YouTube. It's certainly available on DVD. Um, let's see if we can find it on YouTube. And then we can post a link to it, can't we? Oh, yeah. Um, there's, there, are a lot, there are several, lots of, yeah, there's lots of them. Um, all, all bits of them. Uh, there's a 22-minute, a 10-minute, but the program's an hour long, so anyway. If you want to have a look, go on to YouTube and type in Derek Akora Guy Fawkes. Because there's so many. Oh, is it? You got it on now, have you? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know which was the best. So there we are. I was actually so, yes, that was... Pl playing that while you were talking. Ah, um, the place that uh, they end up, and I can't remember the name of the hall now, um, where the gunpowder plot ended up in a gunfight when the conspirators all holed up and the king's troops arrived, and um, a firefight broke out, or rather a musket fight broke out. Um, that was one of the chief places that uh, was investigated by Derek. Uh, but also, um, it's, it was a popular uh, ghost hunting venue. I don't know if it's still available. Uh, I think it's Catesby Hall, is it? Um, but it's, been, it's, it's got stories inevitably associated with it. And in fact, the Tower of London's also got a ghost associated with um, the gunpowder plot. Oh, it does. Yes, it does. Oh. You know, there's an almost inevitability about that, really, isn't there? In fact, I think there are... Um, I, I mean, you're sitting in front of your computer. Just type in gunpowder plot ghosts. Um, I'm sure you're going to find that we've got several dozen of them. But yeah. uh, I, don't believe, I don't believe Zach and co have done it. I know Most Haunted definitely did. Um, there have been other TV shows. Uh, because it is such a... I mean, it's something that's ingrained into um, the sort of British psyche, the gunpowder plot. You know, yeah. It's one of the sort of things that we... It's, it's the last big celebration before Christmas, and it is the run-up to Christmas. That's why so many kids you know, get excited by it. Hmm. But anyways, uh, Guy Fox must be sticking his head in here because we've got to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles The National right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and, of course, the Messier, Gallant Messier Family Law Group on High Street in North Andover, Mass. We'll be right back after the following massages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International, where we're discovering more about uh, the gunpowder plot with New England's own Van Helsing and the gold standard in ghost hunting. Because today is November the 5th, the day that the British celebrate the gunpowder plot. And we've been doing so since 1650. And I said before the break that there was a name of a hall where the the conspirators hold up and is haunted by... Her apparitions. It's Hall Beach Hall in Shropshire. Um, and a um, little bit about it, uh, let's just say. Um, these guys, where is it? You know, you can never find the stuff. It's a final resting place for some of those involved in the gunpowder plot, um, which took place obviously on the 5th, because that was when Fawkes was arrested in the cellars of the Houses of Parliament. However, he was just, as I said before, he was just the hitman for the whole operation. And Robert Catesby was the central character in the plot who led his men up into the Midlands where they uh, holed up at Hall Beach House uh, with a store of weapons and more gunpowder. Uh, unfortunately, that gunpowder had got wet because it had been raining on their journey up from um, London. And they thought the best way to dry out the gunpowder was to put it out in front of the fire. <laughs> um, kind of, uh, because the sheriff, uh, the the sheriff of Worcester, um, arrived with his um, troops with the king's militia, and um, obviously they were they were uh, outside, and uh, Catesby and his uh, conspirators were inside. Um, and there was a huge explosion as the bonfire, as the gunpowder that was laid out in front of the fire blew up. Um, Realising that they were now done for and couldn't fight their way out, the, the conspirators decided to rush out and try and shoot their way out or at least take as many of the king's men with them as they went. Um, most of them were shot down by the troopers uh, and those that weren't were captured 
and we found out what happened to them a little yeah. earlier. You know, it's odd. But I guess that was a common practice because I know at the, of course, for Constitution up at uh, mm. Lighthouse, the exact same, similar thing. I was happened. thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, they had put the uh, gunpowder out to dry and then it was a horrific explosion. So there you go. Do you know, the strange thing is, though, um, I always, uh, I mean, obviously it did happen. It happened at Full Constitution and it definitely happened at Whole Beach House. Um, what what I found strange about that is that gunpowder doesn't normally explode unless it's contained. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, I mean, I remember as a child, we used to break open, um, or you could buy black powder, it was gunpowder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could buy it for different sort of um, legitimate reasons. But, Actually made my uh, own. Yeah, uh, but if you spread it out onto a small sheet of paper, or you, if you wrapped it tightly into a cardboard tube, and then right. it would it would explode. However, if you laid it out on the floor, that's how you made fuses. Well, if you just laid out the you know the powder in piles, so it was open to the air, and then ignited it, it would give off a loud puff, which we would call a genie. Mm-hmm. So it, it never exploded when it was open to the yeah, air. Yeah, you could do trails of, of gunpowder, and that's how they did some exactly. of the fuses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't quite know how it would explode when it was laid open. Um, now, at Hall Beach House, I do know, because it was in barrels, mm-hmm. and uh, some of it was lying around on the floor that they were drying out, but there was other... There was a, so it was obviously the barrels that exploded, and that must have been the case at Fort Constitution. Oh, sure, I would imagine, too. Because otherwise, they would have had just a big flash in a a mushroom cloud. Yeah. You know, as as a young lad, I used to always uh, delve with chemistry and stuff. And uh, I I knew how to make gunpowder. In fact, I made gunpowder. And uh, I remember watching uh, Star Trek, the original series, and he was taking this planet where uh, the the people said there there were weapons there if he could do them. And he was fighting a superior strength uh, 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 embassy who was bigger than him and more powerful than him and he kept going by all these th- minerals and stuff and I says gunpowder you can make gunpowder and that's what he ended up doing <laughs> that's yeah. it. We, but, all did, we all did it as kids didn't we Cut, uh, charcoal, saltpeter, sulfur yeah, I'm not going to give out the full recipe <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we're going to get make bombs all over the place, and we're going to get blamed for it. You realize that, don't you? <laughs> the recipe for black powder is well known yeah, <laughs> to true. every to almost every child at the high school grade in the book. Mm. But anyways, so I was able to do an investigation. Uh, well, it was a public event, but it was a, at a really cool place. The old. Uh, meeting house in Portsmouth, uh, ancient clock tower. Uh, it's actually still got the the original mechanism, which they have to wind every uh, two days every week, and with the heavy weights and everything. Really a cool building. Was was uh, part of the red light district. Was a uh, a uh, oh, what do you call it? Like a slave place as well. Uh, it was it was awesome, and uh, it was it was really interesting the the history of it. That's I think that's one of the the, the one reason I think that I I enjoy ghost hunting so much is that you get to go and visit all these uh, historic historically significant buildings and places. Uh, don't you agree? Um, 
to an extent I do. I, I know, uh, I mean, this is something that, that cropped up whilst I was over there quite recently because Dylan, um, who was who was over as well, likes to, and he did, he went off several days touring around New England looking at haunted locations like the Borton House and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think for me, it's always been, and I've been privileged to be uh, inside off the beaten tourist track of some fantastic locations, Dover Castle um, and, and other great sort of state, stately homes and castles around Britain. And it is a huge privilege and an honour. Uh, but I don't, I don't get the same thrill out of just, you know, I can visit them on any occasion that I choose to. Um, and and admire them and uh, yeah, and, and, and there. But when you're over here, you can't you you're you're you know you can't do that because you're in England. But you can get to visit some awesome places here. That's what I mean. I've been to some awesome places with you. We've been to Hammond Castle, and we've been to you know, probably one of my favorites is Heron. I love him. Um, old man's. The old manse. Now, I like them just for their history, and that, that's... That's what I was talking about, Steve. That yeah, was my point. Yeah, I mean, yeah but I, I wouldn't go out of my way to go to a, a building just because it was haunted. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that was my point when, you, when I said yeah. it. I said it's because you got to visit all these historically yeah. significant places. Uh, it, it had nothing to do with the um, ghost. It was because I was ah, right. able to attend these. My, my, my bad. But I, I, yeah, I absolutely do. One of the great, you know, I've said it before, one of the great privileges is the fact that often if you are there conducting an investigation, television gives you great access, even better access on some occasions because they're, they're paying a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it's to spend time off the, off the beaten track, going to the areas of the building that even as a tourist or a visitor you wouldn't normally get access right. to. Yeah. Um, and getting to discover a lot more about the building itself and the history of the building and connecting with the history. You know, you, you have to have a, a quite a well-developed sense of history. I think, I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with investigating. Right. Um, and it's one of the things being British is we get a bit blasé about our history. You know, we're not short of old buildings over here. Mm-hmm. And... It, 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 you can get quite blasé about it. Um, which 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 thousand year old castle should we go and visit this weekend? Um, and which stately home? And because heritage the heritage industry is huge over here. Yeah, but they have, each one of them has their own unique story. They have their own unique story, but I, I the story often is kind of I like. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, I, I'm, I'm a great fan and lover of history, but we have so much of it here. It, get, it's, it, it becomes difficult to pick and choose. I mean, which era of history do you like better? Do you right. like the Tudor period? Do you like the medieval period? Do you like the Roman period? Do you like the sort of the Victorian and, and Edwardian period? And there's, 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 there's a lot about each of them, um, and it, 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 there's a huge amount to take in, and I think that's part of the problem. 
Um, so you, you bring something up. Uh, you, you mentioned the Roman history. Now, we all know about the famous uh, sighting of the Roman legion, you know, from the knees up at the Treasury House. But are there other buildings that uh, have been investigated where, where uh, they, supposedly they, they've had uh, this other, similar type uh, incidents? Uh, the Romans, uh, there, is, there are several Roman ghosts. Um, most notably, uh, after York would be ch- the city of Chester, um, very close to my, uh, what was the capital city of my home county, uh, county of my birth, a, a city I knew very well. And that has a quite a number of uh, Roman legionary ghosts or Roman soldiers seen, some of them quite similar to York in that they're seen indoors uh, doing going about their daily business at a, at a different floor level or just standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are several sites within Chester that have a Roman soldier. They're always called legionaries. They're always called Roman legionaries, although many of them would, that would uh, they're just not Roman because the Roman army consisted mostly of conscripts from other, from other nations that, that were part of the Roman empire. Mm-hmm. Um, their officers, tended to be Roman, but even that wasn't always the case. And after he had served in the Roman army for, I believe it was 25 years, you became a citizen, a Roman citizen. You were given citizenship as as a reward. Um, But Chester um, has a number. Uh, One of the other most famous ones is Mersey Island uh, down in Essex in the southeast of uh, Britain where um, there's a Roman soldier, centurion, or a legionary who stands this scene on a causeway um, out of doors and has been seen on a, you know, quite a number of occasions. And it's one of the ones that makes it into all of the ghost books, uh, the Roman ghost of Mersey Island. Mm. Uh, but Chester, alongside York, both cities were were regional capitals. Um, there's also Roman ghosts associated with the the uh, Rome, uh, the city of Colchester, which was Rome's first capital in Britain uh, for the um, province of Britannia. Hmm. So we, we do have a few. There's also up on Hadrian's Wall, which was a wall constructed um, by, by the Romans to separate themselves from the barbarians who lived outside of the empire um, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And they're still trying to get. Are you calling Scots barbarians? Uh, well, even the Romans did. <laughs> going to argue with? The, are we going to argue with the Romans? I mean, they built a wall. Should I tell Steve that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the the Romans built a wall. Well, they built two. The famous one is is um, Hadrian's. Uh, uh, Hadrian's wall, obviously built or commenced by the Emperor Hadrian. Uh, but north of it, by another 80 miles, is the Antonine Wall, which marked the absolute limit of uh, Roman authority in the British Isles. And that was built by uh, Antonine, Anton, Antonius Pius, who is a... Uh, Easy for uh, you to say. Yeah, well, it isn't. Uh, but it's called the Antonine Wall. Um So that actually uh, is the most northerly extent. But the Romans, I mean... The Romans came out literally. I mean, there's Roman sites in Ireland. Um, they brought us civilization, <laughs> which which we then sort of con- contracted out to the rest of the world, along with railways. I, I thought the French brought you civilization. I believe. 
Yeah, no, no, the French like sure, the French. Sure, sure. Because yeah. we all know that really all English are really French, right? Um, don't say that to the English. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about Normandy. Well, it was. I mean, it was uh, French. French was the royal. They after the Norman Conquest of 1066, uh, all all of our Anglo-Saxon nobility was supplanted by um, the Normans, who were who actually shared a lineage with us because the Normans weren't French, and if they, in fact, the Normans fought the French on many many occasions, because the Normans were the Northmen. And they lived in the northern part of Brittany, the northern part of France, uh, entirely separate from the French. And they have, um, they were of uh, ang- uh, of um, Norwegian descent. So they were Northmen. They were Vikings predominantly, as indeed were um, many of the British. And that's why that's why sixty six happened because. King William I of Normandy, who was uh, a descendant of a Danish king, mm-hmm. uh, was promised a crown by William God- Godwin, who was uh, sorry uh, Harold Godwin, who was uh, another descendant of a Viking king. Upon the death of um, King Edward the Confessor, himself was a descendant of a Viking king. Um, so we, we have this sort of, so basically one group of Vikings decide that they were going to attack us, um, but they spoke French. And so for the next 200 and something years, the, the court language of England was French. But what was also, I mean, so you might say, and the French do sometimes try to say that they ruled Britain, or they ruled England. But what in actual fact happened was the opposite, because by a hundred years later, uh, the kings of England held sway, like, take for example, King Stephen um, and Richard the Lionheart. These kings commanded huge tracts. In fact, they had more French land than they did British land, and they were king. The, uh, The boundaries of England as it then was, extended right through France. Mm-hmm. And uh, the English king, King Richard I, Richard the Lionheart, who spoke not a word of English and hardly ever came here, um, and lived uh, his life almost entirely in, in France, and lived in France, and is buried at Chinon in France. Um, so there you go. Yeah, but his land holdings, England, the English land holdings in France were much bigger uh, than they were in England until Henry VIII basically lost most of it. So you mentioned uh, the Vikings, of course, and we talked about the Romans. We're Romans ghosts. Have you ever heard anything about Viking ghosts? Uh, there are some Viking ghosts. Really? Uh, this is all to me. I, I haven't heard about those. We have Viking ghosts. Uh, funnily enough, York, which was the Viking capital of um, the Danelaw, the Viking part of, or the north part of the British Isles was called the Danelaw and was under Viking control. Um, and York was then called Jorvik and was their, their capital city. And there are several buildings there that are reputed to be haunted by Viking ghosts. 
um, as is another site on, I believe it's in Cumbria. So have they? So have they? They've done investigations there with the, with the Viking ghosts. Uh, not in any meaningful sense. These these are ghosts in folklore and mythology. Um, so, rather so I was just than, curious, you know, whether they would speak actuality. would they speak English or would they speak Danish? Or? Well, they didn't even speak even English. Didn't speak English then. Well, we spoke English. Well, that's what I mean. So, if you did EVPs, it sounds like if you did oh, EVPs, what would you get? Well. Nowadays, they'll just tell you that they're demons and they're going to kill you, of course. Of course, that's true. So I never thought of that. (laughs) But um, the language of the Anglo-Saxons is, in fact, those who've read Lord of the Rings or watched the movies and you listen to the, um, the, the language being spoken in the movie, that's actually um, kind of, what it sounds like, it sounds like a cross between Welsh and German, I suppose is one of the, um, but that's, and then that developed into the modern English that we speak today, which we've been speaking since around about the, Henry the, just before the Tudors. Right. Around about 40, the mid 1400s, we switched over to a language that, you and I would recognize or muddle through because there's still a lot of variations, um, even, even in you know, the Tudor language. In fact, American, modern American English still holds some old words of old English in them. Um, you say uh, sidewalk and you say fall, whereas we say pavement and autumn. Now, though, pavement and autumn are words that we've later brought in after the colonists had settled uh, the new world, but the new world kept the old the old English words for the seasons. So fall. Uh, so prior to uh, 1600, we had uh, obviously winter, spring, summer, and fall, and those words have have been um, remain in modern American English. Which you know has has words that are still derived from old English, whereas we've borrowed more from the continent in later centuries. I see. We changed to words like, as I said, pavement um, and sidewalk. Mm-hmm. All right. So, oops. Let me see what this is going. The um, yeah, you know, we we. Uh, we had some interesting results, uh, you know, with different EV. I should let me let me rephrase that. Uh, when the original EVPs were they they were receiving, they were so different than the ones we have today. Uh, you know, uh, very seldom do you see languages in the EVPs. Mostly, they're just English, or are they just one word uh, of a foreign language? Uh, or that's what they're believed to be. Why do you think that that it's changed so much since the original um, researches, EVP researches, to today's uh, modern-day ghost hunters? Well, I think that's because EVP itself has changed dramatically. If you look back at the the earlier researches, what they were discovering was, in fact, Rao Deva made made a classification of electronic voices. 
Mm. Um, which which you still hear, to, oh, that was a Class 1 EVP, and that was a Class... Exactly. Now, Raudiva's definition for what they are is very different. So Raudiva made some very clear distinct, distinctions in that uh, EVPs uh, that they were getting and researchers who still work in that style still get those style of EVPs, which are often long sentences, often polyglot, which means that the, there might be several different languages used within that one um, communication that one that one sentence even, um, and they're also rhythmic and characteristically speeded up when compared to normal speech. So they were faster, they were rhythmic, uh, they were polyglot. Now that doesn't work for television. That doesn't work for the modern ghost hunter who wants an instant result. And this all comes about with uh, essentially the Frank's box and the work of Frank Sumption in the, the early 2000s, where he wanted to develop a uh, direct two-way speech radio um, using you know, the old broken car radios um, to scan through the bands. And what you end up with is very short staccato um, broken words, and we've all heard them, the, the chop, 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 chop of the scanner. But yeah. equal, the words and phrases are equally chopped up and very short, very staccato. So you end up with the message being often just one word. Exactly. Um, be because what you're dealing with in reality is almost certainly people perceiving normal radio chatter. Um, it's been chopped, chopped up and uh, hacked about. So yeah, for instance, yeah. we did the hack check on at this event, and and of course we asked questions. And do you listen as the radio throws out a bunch of stuff, and then all of a sudden you get something that uh, kind of makes sense to what you said, and they grab that. Whereas the everything else that was said up to that point is discarded. And also. It, they appear to be more interactive because because of the nature of the question. Because if you look at if you look at transcripts of what Raudiva was doing, he was actually having conversations. What the modern investigator is doing is saying how many people, how many ghosts are there? Right. Uh, what what is your name? Now, in those cases, a a, a single phoneme, a single. Um, I can't remember the, the bloody word now, um, will suffice. So one or Red or Simon, you don't need very much information. You go, oh, my God, that was correct. It said there were five of them, and the name was Simon. And So the question is, uh, the person is being led by um, the noise. So they're asking. And, in fact, I've seen it where the instructions are given. Um, in, in conducting EVP experiments, where you should only ask, uh, you know, don't ask a long question or a question that needs a long answer because they can only answer in short bursts because the spirits can't communicate in long, longer sentences. We know that's and not yet true. That, well, that also flies in the face of all of the published EVP re research that was done by the likes of Raudiva and others from the World ITC Confederation. Um, and they're still doing that work, and they're still getting those two-way communications that are much longer, that have that rhythmic, um, speeded-up, polyglot characteristics. Right. 
So I think it's just a case of people have been led by what they're seeing, what they're hearing on the media, and their, their own desires to have some affirmation of their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you've got to tell people what they're going to hear. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You have to. So anyways, that was, holy. that was the doorbell, doorbell and uh, it could be the doorbell, I don't know. It was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, and we've got to wrap it up. Uh, anything coming up for you in the, the near future there, Mr. Parsons? Now it's all gone a bit quiet now uh, for the next couple of weeks. I've got an SPR council meeting next week, but uh, I've got some, I can finally get down to get some writing done. Uh, excellent. New book on its way? Uh, two new books in planning excellent. at the moment. Excellent. So, so catch up with you, you see. Okay. So, all right. But anyways, uh, yeah, thanks for explaining uh, all about Guy Fox for us and, and the whole deal with that and, and giving us a little bit of uh, insight into uh, British, ancient British goats. Because we know uh, you you have a ghost uh Meter Pro, uh, <laughs> and uh, it can detect whether it's a recent or ancient ghost. So that that's very oh, handy. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so dealing that's, that's vitally important to use the ancient ghost mode. Yeah. So I mean, that way you, at least you know what you're dealing with, and then when you switch it over to the communication mode, uh, you, you can you know get your ask the questions per, uh, proper, appropriately so that you get the the sufficient. Right answers. Yeah, no, it's it's such a valuable tool in your toolbox, isn't it? It's one of it's one of the it's one of the go to items. Go to. That's what I was thinking too. Anyways, the tunes are on. We've got to go. We want to thank everyone for listening. Until next time. Good night and God bless. Goodbye. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.